Hello and welcome back to another episode of the FBZ Show. We've got a little bit to talk about today. There has been some Formula E news dropping with the qualifying system, some rule changes and so forth. So in order to go through everything that's gone out in the news lately, I'm once again joined by Edward Hunter and Jack Pickering. Boys, how are we? Yeah, good to be back. Big couple of weeks in the world of Formula E. Can't wait to get stuck into it. Yeah, exciting as always. Good to see you guys again. At the time of recording this, boys, we are now one month away from the start of pre-season testing. And there's a lot as Jack celebrates. And to be fair, it's been a long time. It's been an absolute age since August, since I was in Berlin for the season finale. It always feels like that. I've kind of enjoyed the rest. There hasn't really been much Formula E news. Not much to cover in, in the off-season with just li little bits and bobs coming out. But the main bits and bobs that have been coming out is the new rules from the World Motorsport Council, the FIA. We're going to start with the qualifying. Because is it confusing or is it not confusing, Mr. Pickering? So let me explain it first and then I'll have your views. So, I like this. Qualifying was split, split into two groups of 11. I like this a lot. And what else I also would like is that we're sacking off. We're getting rid of this one lap at 250 kilowatts. Even though it's not going to be run, the groups at 250 kilowatts. It's going to be run at 220 um, and they can do as many laps as they can in, in a set time limit. So it's not just one lap in. If you get it wrong, that's it. It's going to be very much like an F1 system where they can do as many hot laps effectively as they can within that time limit. And then the top four in each group, in Group A and Group B, progress into this football style, World Cup style, however you want to do it, Champions League style quarterfinal, semi-final, final. So then, depending on your places, you'll go up against a certain person, and then you'll duel, and then that effectively will decide your place, and obviously the final will do first and second. Obviously, the semi-finals will be then, the losers will be third and fourth, uh, and obviously that you're third or fourth, depending on, I suppose, the lap time that you do in your group. Mr. Pickering, is it too confusing? Or, if Formula E do it right, and it's clear on the TV screens, it's clear graphically what's going on. Do you think that this could be a successful qualifying um, change? Well, when we first kind of saw the idea for it about a month or so ago, when, uh, when the race first reported it, I looked through it and was very, very confused. When the, when the FIA document came out and, and explained everything, Formula E also put up a thing that explained it into greater detail. I understood it a lot better than I did uh, to start with. I think um, it now makes a lot more sense to me and I was able to get my head around it very quickly. But I think it is just the fact that it needs to be explained a bit more. I mean, I, I think that um, the first bit, very easy to get your head around. Uh, odd drivers in the championship go against up the even drivers in the champion, uh, in group one, even drivers second group. Um, uh, top four from each go through um, to this World Cup knockout system. Now, thankfully, they've done it the way that you would usually see in the World Cup knockout. So the fastest person from Group A goes against the fourth fastest person in Group B, then the second fastest in Group uh, B goes up against the third fastest in Group A. Um, I think I've said that right. I uh, could be wrong. But, uh, but yeah, so, so, it, so it's it's they've done it they've done it correctly they've done it the right way around that's one thing that i'm happy with um however i do understand how this kind of works because 
uh, when when the World Cup comes, when the Euros comes, try dragging me away from like from the um, from the wall chart you, uh, that you get in the Radio Times. You can't. I'm there filling it in day in day out after every single match. I'm watching every single bit of it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so for me, it's it's quite an easy system for me to get my head around. Uh, I think there will be some people who may not understand at first, and those who dip in and out, I think it would be relatively easy to get the head around quickly. Uh, they might need a few points as long as Jack explains it correctly. Obviously, not me or George Maynard. Uh, Nichols. <laughs> um, but, uh, but as long as Nichols explains it correctly, then um, we should all be fine. Yeah, I'm just looking here, Ed, at the qualifying system. So the thing that maybe might be arguably a tiny bit confusing is when they go into this quarterfinal system, they haven't gone like P1 versus P6. They haven't gone... So, well, I think it is. A1, I think, is the fastest person in Group 1. And then B4, it's like coordinates here for battleships. Um, and then B4, would I would assume, would be the slowest person in Group 4. So those two would go up against each other. In, so basically, so whoever was the fastest in the group stage, kind of like in the Champions League system here, you play the lowest group ranking of the other one. And then second place in Group A will play third place in Group B. So then third place in Group A will then play second place. And then the slowest in Group A will play the fastest in Group B. So that makes sense to me. But what I might find confusing then, I'm, I'm hoping it says here via the lap times, that must be the only way. So if A2 is quicker than A3 and A4. I'm hoping that they'll start fifth, right? Or something like that, right? Or fifth or sixth. And it's not some... Because you were slowest in, in A4, that means you start eighth because you were knocked out. I hope it's not done like that. So that might get confusing. But overall, what are your assessments on the on the qualifying system? Well, I'm probably in the minority here, Jack, but I watch Formula E to get away from football, not to be like constantly reminded of it, but uh, I don't mind using the tournament format because I think Robot Wars uses, used to use that as well, so I can sort of contextualize that and it's not a problem anymore for me. But uh, yeah, I think we have Sam Bird to thank for this system because he was the one who sort of suggested this in the first place, that he was his, his, uh, his solution was, why can't we have two cars on track at the same time? setting lap times because that way we don't have this group problem and then that sort of developed into this kind of knockout sort of system so uh yeah it's it, it's it's interesting i i don't i i agree i had the similar experience to pico where the race sort of had kind of heard rumblings about it and tried to explain what those rumblings were and it sort of didn't quite make sense the duels in particular were the confusing part to me because i thought oh is that going to be like a mini race like the f1 sprint races or are we going to get the you know the sort of one lap shootouts like we currently get in Super Bowl, but they're out at the same time. And then no, it's just a session where they continuously go until the time runs out, I guess, and uh, we see which of the two sets the fastest lap. So that makes a lot more sense to me, to be honest. Even though, like I said last time, I'm a bit not annoyed, but I did I do enjoy Super Bowl. So I think the final just being oh, just two cars sitting lap times. I mean, it's fine. It should be exciting and interesting, hopefully, if they're evenly matched, as the format should, you know, provide that, being a sort of knockout tournament format. Uh, but And also it means we don't have, like, loads and loads of cars on track at the same time. I I didn't really have too much of a problem with the, the knockout system uh, in terms of who faces who, because I'm sure it will be fairly... Like I say, if it's people from different groups being matched up, then it probably should be fine, rather than people from the same group that will only start happening in the very later like the semi-finals and stuff so 
so yeah, I, I, I'm, I was sort of just about okay with it. And once I've seen it in the chart, I think just seeing it in sort of text, like, oh, it's a knockout format and there's like jewels as like, well, but what does that mean? Need more clarification. Seems to have finally gotten that now. For me, the only thing you can sort of compare the knockout stage is to the, when F1 tried that knockout stage qualifying system, but it didn't kind of work then. I think this will be better. Because well, that in, was in, elimination qualifying, yeah, wasn't it? Which Where was they, kind of everyone like, got knocked out every ninety seconds. Yeah, which I, I think this system will be better because obviously that because you, you've got two cars and it'll be easy to see who's been knocked out and hopefully where they've gone into the qualifying format rather than just losing people on track as in when F1 tried sort of a knockout style elimination uh, qualifying. So I'm, 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 I've got my fingers crossed because I wasn't a big lover of the qualifying system and having group one and all these mixed up races. And really now we shouldn't argue for a mixed up race because the fastest people should qualify out of those groups. And it'll be interesting to see how those groups are split. Is it, I would assume it would be, you know, one driver from each team in one group and then the second driver from each team in the other group. That's how I'd assume it's been split. I don't know, I haven't said how it's going to be split, but that's what I'm expecting it to happen because then the fastest should rise to the top and then it'll be a really interesting, really interesting way to find out how the grid will be set. So I'm really looking forward to it. There has been some other rule changes though, Pico. I want to get your assessment on these as well. Um, additional time. We now have stoppage time. Right? If a safety car, more football analogies, Ed is going to hate us, right? We've got stoppage time because if we have any neutralizations from safety cars or full course yellows, I don't think we're going to, I think we must be seeing the end of reduction in energy. The energy will stay, but whatever the safety car time was will be added on to the end of the race, which I think is really interesting. So obviously they'll be running around at slow speed, not using as much energy during that time. They're going to have the energy, then the time added on of however long the safety car was up to 10 minutes. So if it's longer than 10 minutes safety car period, I reckon they'd red flag it anyway. But then maybe, but we might have a collection of safety cars that might go over the 10 minutes. So we'll see. So I think that's really interesting because I think from an energy management point of view, you know, you're going to have to really drive slow. We might see some really slow safety car periods from it in order for them to maintain their energy so that they can do these stoppage time extra minutes. God bless the British Touring Car Championship. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I, I, I'd i like to see how it works. I, I, I don't want to pass judgment on it before we actually see how this works. Uh, I'm intrigued by it. I think it's going to be quite an interesting format. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, we, we, we had to do away with energy reduction after the fiasco in Valencia last year. I think like every man and his dog was embarrassed by that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to this format. I think it's going to be interesting. I just hope that it doesn't, I mean, I, if, I, if I have like a late night flight out at any of these countries, I don't want to delay it by that much. Um, please no red flags or uh, get it going for too long. Um, uh, yeah, but I think it's, um, uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what this is going to be like. Um, uh, however, I do feel like this is a stopgap because uh, I think from Gen 3, I think we need to get rid of these 45-minute plus lap races. Uh, I know that Lucas has been, uh, Lucas Degrassi has been um, very vocal at the, at the point that um, races should be laps and not time, with the exception of endurance races. Endurance races, 
they're allowed to be because you know that like, the 397 laps of Le Mans doesn't have the same ring to it. Um, but uh, but yes, I think for Formula E, uh, it's a it's a stopgap, and then hopefully we can head back to he- head back to laps for Gen Three. But um, uh, I'm excited to see it play out, but I don't want to um, don't want to ruin the idea yet. But let's see how it how it goes. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do for Gen Three. There's been talks of having races for an hour, and I do think that's 45 minutes. It's just it's for now for Gen Two. Obviously, we go into Gen Three next season, so that's another interesting thing. And the car for that shouldn't be released till spring 2022. So sort of you know can't wait to see what that car is. It's had its first test run, the Gen Three car. It's had its first test run, and it's gonna have another test run in France as well before we even see it in in 2022. But Ed. What do you think on the 10-minute rule before we move on, the extra time? Yeah, uh, it's interesting, the article, the interview with Lucas that Pico was talking about, because Lucas, one of the things that he said was, uh, oh, it's interesting that they're letting extra time in, because I always said that that would be a good solution to uh, uh, the sort of energy reduction issue, rather than reducing energy, we just add more minutes to the race. And they said, no, we can't do that, because the TV schedules would be all out of whack will be like going over our slot basically and so they seem to have um, found some wiggle room in that i guess because they've got deals like for for instance in the uk it being on bbc iplayer uh, they, they can they are a bit more flexible because it's not like then it's not like it's on bbc2 and they have to shove like i don't know country file out of the way for a couple of minutes or something like that so yeah i I, I, I think I, I do like the fact that it's time races, by the way, because I think it presents a challenge in that people, the teams don't know when the race will end. So they're not it's a, that may, means they're sort of reacting to the scenario in real time. I think that makes for a good spectacle, whereas if you have laps and everyone is going to know exactly when it's going to end, basically, and they're sort of going to do their sums around that. And basically no one is going to have any kind of risk of running out of energy, whereas here you've got at least got a little bit. Uh, I would love to see longer races for Gen 3, whether that's laps or, t- or time, uh, but um, I think it really depends uh, what the specs are of the Gen 3 car. And I, I am excited to see when we finally get details leaked about that, because we've heard so much about Gen 3, but seen so little so far. So we know, uh, is it Trellia? Renoir Trellia, who's I think done the testing in France, is what the race was saying. So yeah, hopefully somebody's got him on speed dial and we can uh, <laughs> interrogate him for detail or maybe bribe him i don't know how moral are we feeling today guys in terms of our interrogation techniques if, if i had if someone gave me benoit trillier's number i'd give you a ring but i don't have it so if someone knows benoit trillier's number feel free to message right if you're if you're a big benoit trillier fan or you're, or you're a relative that knows his number give us a call um mr pickering let's talk about the calendar changes because obviously with the calendar and obviously Mr. Pickering's World Tour. We need to find out with a catchy name for that, right? And it might be like a little sidekick show that we could start. Pickering on tour, Pico on tour, maybe something like that. As you go around the world covering the sport for us this year, which I'm really looking forward to. But we knew Cape Town, right? We knew Cape Town with COVID-19 restrictions was a possibility of that not being on the calendar. And that is now not on the calendar. And there is now a TBC um, for that. So we'll talk about where that would be. But the TBC on the 10th of June, I think it is, or early June, um that has come in is jakarta now this one is a little bit controversial and i'll come to you in a minute because i know you've got a lot to say about this but i wanted to hear pico's thoughts first 
What did you make? Because obviously we know about the protests, we know about what's going on in Jakarta, and there's been a lot of pushback ever since the race has been announced. So do you think that Jakarta, even though it's been added to the calendar, now that it's been added to the calendar, do you think it's going to feel a few more fires in Jakarta about this race, and could it potentially fall off the calendar before we even start in, in January? It's going to be an interesting one. Um, I think everyone was fairly surprised um, uh, when uh, Jakarta was announced. Obviously, that was the main intention for that 4th of June slot. But, um, but yeah, it's um, obviously there's been a lot of uh, stuff happening in Jakarta about like lots of protests about it and, and everything. But uh, uh, fingers crossed we get to go there because I do remember when they released the track and I thought that is... A stunning circuit. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be really cool to go there. Uh, one another big big issue is that um, so the race will happen on the Saturday uh, on Saturday fourth of June, but Sunday fifth of June is the Le Mans twenty four hour test day. So those who are involved in the World Endurance Championship will then have to jet straight back over to. Um, France and very jet lag do uh, uh, do a bit of testing and I know this was an issue that we had last uh, last year uh, when the final race of the season in Berlin um, was on the same date as the first test day for Le Mans as well and so I think there will be a lot of uh, a lot of drivers who are a bit not sure about it I think there is a fair chance that we could drop indonesia again and uh i'm assuming that that will just turn into a berlin double header on the 14th and 15th of may but um but yeah it's it's uh uh, it, uh it's an interesting one uh obviously going to new countries would be fantastic and and we'd love to see it but um yeah uh let's see if it actually happens or not yeah because it's an interesting point you bring up there i was surprised that they went to jakarta i thought it was nailed on European and we know like Idahoven and, and places like that have um, have declared interest in, in hosting a Formula E race and obviously that's not far from France for the Formula E test day so I'm sure the World Endurance Championship drivers will be very happy with that Ed, I know you've been following this story with Jakarta a lot so what's your views? Yeah, well it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one certainly, I think it's going to be quite contentious when the race happens especially when there's been a lot of debate about the money being spent on the race, whether it was really the right, right way to spend it when they had, at the start of 2020, mass floodings, then the pandemic, and then uh, uh, you, you've been, like we're seeing even this year, really, this year back in August, I think, where there were like people uh, from the opposition and even from just regular people outside the town hall in Jakarta with banners saying, uh, we don't want a motor race, we want breakfast. It was a literally like kind of worry about like food on the shelves and stuff like that so yeah it is a bit concerning to put it mildly you know and uh, there's the governor Annie's Baldwin I think is the guy's name who's basically the mayor in charge of um, the public face basically of the event and who a lot of people are directing their anger to and uh, I hope it goes smoothly um, if it does happen uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it drop off the calendar to be quite honest because it just seems like a very unstable situation and I worry that the race is going to turn more people against it than it is going to get them like sitting in the grandstands trackside. I am excited however about Vancouver 
about uh, Seul ending the season with the double header, and there was another one that I'm thinking of that I was excited about. Um, oh, there, there was the TBC that's not been decided yet, uh, <laughs> but uh, but um, we don't know what that will be. It could, like you say, it could be Eindhoven or somewhere else in Europe. I'm assuming, but it is quite early in the season, so we'll have to see. Yeah, that's the thing. Like we discussed last time, Jack, that. Marrakesh, right? Formula Re's best friend. When in a in a time of need, when we need a track, we call on Marrakesh. Now the fact that Cape Town's gone and we got another TBC, I I don't know. I just feel like where are we going to go at this precise moment? You know, this race now is what October. It's in March, October, November, and basically November. So November, December, January, February, March. We've got five months to find a location for a race. Now it's not going to be a city. Because I feel like getting it all done and sorted in that time is going to be incredibly challenging in five months. So it's got to be somewhere where it can host a race, I would say, or done it before. So I can't see it being a new city. So I feel Marrakesh has to be favourite at this stage. But I don't know where else it would go. Well, yeah, obviously, yes, as we alluded to in in, uh, uh, in the last episode, uh, head on to our YouTube channel and watch back if you haven't watched it already. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's more than likely going to be Marrakesh. There is absolutely zero chance that it's going to be a brand new city. Um, I think the only two realistic choices are Marrakesh and Punta del Este. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, and Formula E have a strong desire to have an African race on the calendar. Um, we've lost one in Cape Town, so it makes complete sense to go back to Marrakesh. Uh, uh, and, and it's also easy for the teams to get to because you, because with Punta del Este, you land in Montevideo, then sit on a bus for three hours. And so it's 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 not really easy logistically to, tr- to try and get to uh, uh, to get to Punta del Este. Um, whereas, yeah, Ma- Marrakesh, I think, ticks all the boxes for Formula E uh, and we can we can easily go back there at, at, at the drop of a hat definitely and so yeah i mean it's gutting that we don't have cape town in it anymore but uh uh yeah M- uh, morocco it, it, it always produces great racing so um yeah uh seems to be the right choice yeah i'm surprised marrakesh hasn't managed to find its way as a permanent fixture on the fe calendar because i feel like it deserves it because yeah you're right it, it it produces some great races it's really difficult on energy management it's sort of got all the all the ingredients for a massive and a crazy formula e race but it seems to be our you know our our, our first backup choice but as we come towards the close of the show boys um the driver market now this is an interesting one because we haven't really heard as we said we're a month out now and we we're normally like this we normally you know, there's a couple of seats left available. Um, Andretti released their new car, nice red-looking car uh, with Avalanche, um, but they didn't announce a second driver to go with it. So we'll talk about Andretti. Dragon are still yet to announce their drivers. Obviously, Sergio Sete Camera um, probably nailed on to be confirmed, we'd assume, but who would line up with him? So we'll talk about that. Mercedes haven't announced their drivers yet, but we're assuming now that the F1 talk is over. So you're assuming the Freeze and Van Dorn will be signed up. But, but you know, there was a lot of talk about the Freeze going to Alfa Romeo potentially, but um, that seems to have gone quiet. Cassidy yet to be confirmed at Virgin, but I'm sure that's going to go through. And nor same with Blomquist, not confirmed yet at Neo. But let's talk... Let's talk Andretti. I know we did last time. Um, Ed, I'll start with you this time. Any sort of rumblings, anything that you've been hearing about potential 
second seat at Andretti or anything you'd like to see happen. Where do you think it's going to go? And were you surprised maybe that they didn't announce it when they did their big show off of their new livery of their car? Yeah, it was interesting with that new livery because there was quite a lot of complaints I heard from people because the sponsor they've signed is a big uh, blockchain sponsor, Avalanche. And so they said a deal with like non-fungible tokens and there's a sort of thing, is that really sort of carbon neutral necessarily? And uh, especially in this big month of COP26, we've got Virgin there working with the UK government at the moment, supposedly, and they unveiled like a two-seater a virgin fe electric car which looks suspiciously just like a converted f4 car to me but uh, <laughs> that's very much by the by but anyway back to andretti um i was certainly, certainly interesting who's going to take that second seat alongside jake dennis we uh, i said before it was going to be carl kirkwood and we didn't know at the time how the andretti formula one sauber news was looking doesn't look like that's going to happen now it seems there's been some kind of a snag in the deal or what a lot of people were expecting of that was that Colton Herter from the IndyCar program would go to Formula 1. Uh, if he's not going then Colton's probably going to stay in IndyCar and uh, it's sort of between uh, Carl Kirkwood and Oliver Askew uh, and it depends because obviously if one of them ends up with an IndyCar seat then it, there might be some clashes with the FE calendar so Andretti are probably going to want someone who's there for the long haul I imagine so uh, at the moment, Askew, I think, is the one out of a seat because he was dropped by McLaren, if I remember correctly. This is my lack of IndyCar knowledge coming before. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, Askew or Kirkwood. Kirkwood is the one that Andretti really want to hold on to from his great performances in Indy Lights. But uh, Askew might be the more available one. So uh, it, it depends which way that kind of goes. Those are the two that I think are probably in contention for that. Uh, but I don't really know who else... I did mention Matthew Brabham before, but that was sort of just, uh, okay, I've got to think of someone and answer the question. Uh, it's really between those two at the moment, I think, uh, when it comes to Andretti. Really interesting. You said Oliver Askew there, but then I forgot, yeah, he was dropped by McLaren because I was thinking, because then you went, oh, he was with McLaren. I was like, I wonder if McLaren would be interested, Pico, in maybe putting an American driver, like a, well, Pato Award, I think, is under a Mexican license, I think, off the top of my head. Um, but again, with them to sort of get some experience, because I, you know, this McLaren thing, this option, still hasn't gone through yet, which is another interesting side note. So if they wanted to get one hand in in the championship, they could have maybe got one of their American drivers teamed up with Andretti, and then. But I don't think Andretti would have liked that, to be honest with you. But where where do you think Andretti will go? Is it a hundred percent American driver, or do we think there is another? It's going to be. It could be someone random. I think it's more than likely going to be an Amer American driver. Uh, it's looking more and more likely that it is going to be one of Carl Kirkwood or Ollie Askew. Um, yes. Uh, so uh, in referring to what Ed said, um, uh, Ollie Askew looked like he could have been driving for the Ray Hill Letterman Lanigan team uh, this season, but um, well, next season, 2022, but uh, they've signed Christian Lungard instead uh, to drive the number 30 team. Uh, from F2, so he's out of a seat there. So that it's looking, I'd say it's looking more and more likely that uh, Oli Askew might be uh, in that second Andretti seat. Um, but yeah, as as you mentioned, like we 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 haven't had um we haven't had official confirmation many. I mean, like even De Costa and Vern aren't signed up for Tachisi yet. We haven't had um uh. Bomb Chris isn't confirmed that Neo. Yeah, as you said, the Dragons haven't announced anything. Uh, it's 
it's it's looking quite open, but I don't see that many changes happening from uh, this season six. Obviously, the big one was the move for Max Gunter from BMW to Nissan, but um, and uh, and Roland for um, and Roland moving to Mahindra and Alex Lynn's gone from Formula E. He's not coming back. Um, but yeah, it's it's. It's interesting that we haven't had more announcements, uh, considering I reckon most of the teams are all set up on their lineups and it's going to be more or less the exact same as it was uh, last season. I think the main change might be Dragon, right? Because I think Sergio said a camera, they had Joe Eriksson. I don't know where they go from here, Ed. Do you, who do you expect? I think, again, it could be another random. Who do you think? Do you think Joe Eriksson might get a chance? But it doesn't look like from the rumblings I've heard that Joel Eriksson will be lining up alongside Sergio Setacamera potentially uh, next season. Yeah, Dragon have always had an infamously high turnover of uh, drivers. So uh, I haven't heard, I've, I heard a little bit that Danny Kvyat was looking at the seat. So being a bigger name, I think he's probably more likely to get it than Joel Eriksson, sadly. But uh, if they can't sort out the deal with Kvyat, they might at the last minute go for uh, er Ericsson. I remember something very similar happened with Maxi Gunther when Felipe Massa became available a couple of years ago and Dragon sort of ummed and ahed and ended up having to change their mind at the last minute because Nasser sort of dropped out uh, and then he came back in again of course and then dropped out again. Uh, so yeah that's interesting. I just want to go back to something that Pico said about Tachita not um, doing their lineup yet. There was a lot of rumours that Tachita were in a lot of uh, financial trouble actually that um, DS might actually be taking over the team and uh, that Mark Preston might not actually be uh, team principal anymore which I was very sad to hear that that might be on the table because uh, you know he's been there since the very beginning even before they were in Formula when they were just super eager and uh well, obviously, you know, there's been ownership since, but uh, a change since. But but it was very sad to hear that, that they've been in so much trouble, especially after, you know, um, it's been a difficult period with the death of John Rivone's race engineer at the team. So uh, you would hope that things pick up at DS Studio. I don't really see anywhere else for DeCosta and Vern to go. So uh, let's hope the team survives, whether it's as DS or as DS Studio, So Yeah, that was an interesting that you bring that up because... They, I remember at the time when that news story broke, and then it was it's odd for a team to react to a story like that. But maybe Czech Cheetah felt they did, and and the financial company, I think it's SCP, um, with Tech Cheetah sent a press release out saying refuted the claims that they were in financial trouble and that the team was being sold and so forth. So, you know, they sort of said that story. They basically came out and said that story is nonsense. There is no financial problems. There is no problems with this team. Um, looking forward and we will be on the grid come season eight and 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 going forward so yeah, as I said that was that was really interesting but yeah I feel for those teams like Cassidy Blomquist that like we talked about there you know the two Mercedes drivers we had the rumblings of you know could any of them end up in a Formula One team and that looks like that angle is closing now so you'd expect them to still be at Mercedes for next season so you know I don't think, as Pico said, I don't think there'll be too many driver changes. I think it's just the dots on, on, on Dragon, as you said, you know, they go through more drivers than I can't even think of a good simile to to, to think about. What Andretti in the first they season, they went for yeah. like five or six drivers, didn't they? Andretti had eight drivers in that first season, didn't they? They had eight drivers, so, you know, amazing how times change. But Dragon, I don't know, the, the, the Dragon story is a story for another day, I think, because... You just don't know the progression of that team and where that team's going um, 
in this series. But we'll leave that for another day, boys. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we've completed another episode. We're another episode down. Yep, cheers. Yeah, quite a relief to get for another episode without messing up too badly. So I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> I hope, uh, yeah, I think it was a good one. I think it was a good one. So, Pico's World Tour starts next month in Valencia. So fingers crossed, we should be we should be on the ground in Valencia. So hopefully we'll have a maybe a pre-Valencia trip before before Mr. Pickering heads out on his travels. Um, and then there'll be a lot of content around testing. So obviously. Keep an eye out for the YouTube channel. Keep an eye out for the website because a lot of things will be happening. It's fantastic that Pico has got the opportunity to, to go testing and that obviously gives us here at Formula Rezone a massive chance to give you a much better coverage of testing. So Pico, before we go... Keep, leave, keep building that pressure on me to excel. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving this. I hey, mean, I, I picked the wrong day to wear a grey shirt. I'm sweating <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> No, you're going to smash it. You're going to absolutely smash it. Um, so Pico, Pico representing FEZ. So as I said, we, we, we're in safe hands. He knows we're in safe hands. He's blushing um, as much as he can right now. <laughs> no, but honestly, please make sure you check out the YouTube channel because it's a it's a first for us to be actually heading to Valencia since Donington testing, since um, we were able to cover it at Donington when it was in England. So the fact that we can get to Valencia now means that we can up our coverage and we can step up the game and hopefully see if anyone else will meet us stepping up that game. So thank you so much for watching and we will see you very soon. Goodbye.